Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Today, we are starting in on our journey to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. Hispanic Heritage Month runs from September 15th until October 15th, but we are not going to wait until the 15th of September to start celebrating this wonderful culture. So with that, there's no way that I could have a show or a series dedicated to celebrating Hispanic culture and not have my wife on. Like, there's no way we could do that. So to kick this off, a conversation with my wife, Maricela Miles Mattingly, and she's going to share her story. This is something that we have talked about before and we had never done. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. So, Mari. Hola, bienvenidas a todos. <laughs> this is going to be a nice story, a story that I think I've never, ever really shared. I know amongst our family, we share it all the time, but not amongst friends or anything like that. So it's going to be nice to share with our listeners. Nice. Awesome. So. You guys know by now how the show goes. It's not going to go on the normal way, but we do want to just make sure that you guys are ready for this. And she's going to share some things that, like she said, she's never shared before. And so we're just going to dive right in and, you know, just give us your story, Mari. So where are you from originally? And kind of start there. Yes. So I was born in Nochislan, Zacatecas. Me, my oldest sister, were both born there. It's like in central Mexico, not so much Mexico City or anything like that, but it's kind of in the middle of Mexico. And I spent a whole five months there as my childhood. That's all I know. And not until when we actually went back, did I actually get to see the city where I'm from. Wow. Okay. So you moved here when you were five months old. When we're framing this story, I kind of want to get into like, this is Hispanic heritage. This is a park that I think is often... You know, this has been talked about, politicized. Everybody's, we have Donald Trump talking about building a wall. We have all this stuff going on, right? I remember being younger and when I was in elementary school, we had the kids that would come from Mexico that were learning languages, English as a second language. And just the way that you could possibly, feel, I never really thought about it as the child, like you would be coming into school mm-hmm. and, and, you know, learning English for the first time and all that stuff. But tell us a little bit about, because we'll get to that too. I want to make sure that you, you, in, you include some of that into the journey. So five months old, you're coming to the United States mm-hmm. and give us the story that your parents and your grandparents have shared with you. Yeah, my mom and my grandma shared with me. So I will start from the beginning. My parents obviously got married very young. My grandpa would come back and forth to the States. So once my parents got married, my dad began coming with my grandpa. So they would spend, you know, a couple months, six, eight months in the state, send money back home, come back home, go back and forth. So my dad did that for almost three years after my parents got married. So at this point, they had already had my oldest sister. She was about two and a half. And then, of course, then I came along and I was about five months old. So somewhere along that time frame, my mom and dad had a conversation about where they were going to live their lives. My mom says that she had a conversation with my dad and said, we're not going to have you going back and forth because you're not going to be here to help me raise these girls. 
So we need to make a decision as to where do we want to live? Are we going to stay here in Mexico and you're going to find a job? Or are we going to come and join you in the States? So that's when the decision was made for my mom to join him here. So my mom didn't travel alone. My mom brought me, of course, and my oldest sister, but she also came with my grandmother. My grandmother was pregnant at the time. And she also had my uncle, who was about a year old. So the five of us got on a bus from Nochislan, Zacatecas to San Luis, Sonora. And that's about 1,400 miles from where we're from. Stayed there for about a week and a half, two weeks, as they, we all rested, kind of got ready for the next leg of our journey. From there, we traveled to Tijuana. And that is where my grandpa had already made arrangements with a coyote to get us across. So he told my mom and grandma, this is the hotel where you guys are going to be staying at. So check into that so hotel. So for people that don't know what a coyote is in this term, what's a coyote? A coyote is someone who helps you cross. So they get people from Mexico over to the States. So they have little routes and things like that that they use or different methods, whether they're going to try and get you across through with a car or by foot. They had just different ways to guide you through. So he had told my mom, my grandma, this is where you're going to be staying at. When you get to that hotel, you're going to ask for this man. So once they got to the hotel and they asked for so-and-so, he's like, okay, he came to the hotel. The next morning, once they were at the hotel, he said, okay, we're going to make our first attempt. And my mom and all of us, they got up in the morning, packed whatever they had packed in their belongings. Now, mind you, they're packing enough, just clothes. And at that time, my mom, she was nursing me and also powdered milk, she said. So they had to bring enough stuff to just for clothes and then to eat. And that's all they brought with them. So the first attempt that they did, she said that they traveled by foot up in the hills somewhere all day. And at night is when on the first attempt they got caught. So they had been out in the mountains, I don't know, somewhere in the mountains. And they got caught and got sent back. She said that they tell me that they were in holding facilities. So it was like not so much of a jail, but like a room. So all the women were in one room and all the men were in another room. So they stayed there for the night and then the next morning they were released and my grandpa had given them instructions. You pay your hotel for the following day so that in case you get caught, you keep the key and you just go back right in your room and you guys have a place to stay. And that's what they did. Okay. We went through that kind of fast. <laughs> okay. You're five months old. Mm-hmm. Right. And we have a five mm-hmm. month old now. So it's like you and he's, it's like you and Isela. And uh-huh. then, and Emlyn, right? Because your sister is about two. So it's and like, Emlyn, yeah. So I it's would like having Excel and Emlyn. And we've tried traveling to Fresno with the kids. That's only 20 miles away. And they just lost their mind. So I can imagine we took a trip a couple of weeks ago and we went to Torrance to go visit your uncle. And that was a three and a half hour trip. That was only 240 yes. miles. You said you went 1,400 miles. So think about that just to put it in perspective, even for the listeners, like that's 1,400 miles with two kids. And then you're in the mountains, they're walking with you. Mm-hmm. And so then you guys get caught and you get put into a holding facility. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you wait that night and now you're going to go back again and try to go again. Yes. Okay. So, yes. So then on the second attempt, you know, they didn't go then right away the following day. Like they got back in in the morning, they rested, and then they tried again the second time. On the second attempt, they both shared that they got caught right away, that they were just, you know, just kind of starting to walk and then got caught right away. The journey wasn't, you know, so bad because they hadn't done so much time already by foot. But my grandma tells me the story that as they're getting back the second attempt, they're going back to the hotel now that one of the coyotes, I guess at this point, there was two of them that were trying to get them over, was telling me that 
And I'm going to share this because I think it's a part of the experience and the dangers of what happens when you try to cross like this. She was telling me how one of them was like, I don't have a place to stay. Can I stay in the room with you guys? And my mom, she says she was young. She was pretty. You know, at that time, my mom must have been maybe 20 years old. And so he's like, I could tell, I could see the look in his eye. He was up to no good. I told him, she said a few choice words, you know, to go find. This is your grandmother? Yes, my grandmother. She's like, uh, no, you're not going to be staying with us. You're going to go find your own place. So, you know, they rested up again. And then the coyote goes on to tell them, you know what? I'm not having any luck. So I'm going to get somebody else to help because maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the one not getting you there. So he finds somebody else. And on the third attempt, that is when they finally cross. But their journey this time was by car. And they say that they travel through the mountains and they talk about having at least like about this is, sounds crazy, but at least having about 15 to like 20 people in one car. There's people in the trunk. There's people in the back. It's just packed with people. And they're traveling in like an unpaid road, of course, but they're all driving through the mountains and stuff like that. And at some point they hit like a ditch or something and the muffler or the exhaust comes off. So the car is making crazy noise. Just like grrr, my grandma's like, it was bad. So they tell everybody to get off the car. They show them or they tell them, go to this tree, go to these bushes. And it was next to like a strawberry farm. And at this point, they had traveled and traveled, but they had made it across. So they're already past the wall somewhere. And they're at a farm. They're hiding, basically, till they are the, the coyotes are going to take the car back to get it fixed because they can't continue the journey because it's going to be too loud and they're going to get caught. So they're there. They spend the night out in the mountains somewhere. And my grandma was saying that I was crying. That she's like, I think she might be cold. So they took some of my uncle's clothes because he was one at the time and they put it on me so that I could stop crying. And once I warmed up, then I, I stopped crying and they spent the night the next morning because they were next to that. So you guys spent the night outside? Yes, outside, somewhere. Okay, so you guys were somewhere in the mountains outside. You're five months old, your uncle's one, your grandma's pregnant. Your mom's not pregnant no, with Letty. No, She's not mm -mm. pregnant with Letty. Okay. And you're in a car with 15 to 20 other people coming across. And then the car breaks. And now you're just sitting. Now you guys are just somewhere on a somewhere. farm waiting in the middle of the night. Yeah, waiting for the five to come back. Month old, uh -huh. A one-year-old, a two-year-old, and a pregnant grandma. And a whole bunch, bunch of, of other people. Yeah, okay. And a bunch of other I, I just want to get context for it because I think even as you've told the story, I think you don't like now we're, you know, so basically you got you and little M, you got Isela and little Emlyn, and it's you with Letty. Mm -hmm. Okay, go ahead. And Letty, let, so for, for those of you that know, that's Letty's her, my sister in law. So she's the, like, it would be like equivalent to something like that. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So they're out there. They say the next morning, you know, they woke up or they probably didn't sleep a whole lot, but. Because they were next to that, that strawberry farm, there was like a taco truck or like a food truck. I guess not a taco truck, but a food truck came by because people work at the strawberry farm. So my mom went up and my grandma and my both my mom said they were very fortunate enough to have my dad and my grandpa to have had them sent sufficient money. So they had enough money to along the journey to buy food and stuff like that. But my grandma says there's a lot of people there with them that had no money and they had no money to buy food. So, but they were fortunate enough to go over there, buy food, you know, get themselves fed, get the little ones fed. As they were eating and as they were sitting out there waiting for the coyotes to come back with the car, the farmer comes out and tells them, 
if you guys don't leave my property, I'm going to go ahead and call immigration so that they can come pick you guys up. And just at that, right around that same moment, the Coyotes came back with the car. Because at that point, they were like, if we move, how are they going to find us? You know, how are they going to know where we're at? So they came back with the car, got everybody back in the car, and they basically brought them all back to, well, they brought my mom and myself to Planada. And that is where we have been for the last, you know, 37 years. So hearing that story, like after, you know, you live the story, how do you feel about mm-hmm. like looking back at it, like your parents making this decision to come here in the way that they did, like not necessarily like coming under the cover of night, going through the mountains and all that stuff with, you know, you being super young, your sister mm-hmm. being really young. How does that make you feel? What do you think about, you know, them willing to risk that to get here? I feel like you have to be so brave to be able to do that with your small children, not knowing what could or couldn't happen. And they're women by themselves. It's not like they were, you know, we had a male. They didn't have a male with them. They were just them and their kids. So the bravery that they must have had to have done this. And my grandma, when she was telling me the story, she says that there was times that she was like, you know what, I'm going back. We can't do this. But, you know, and my dad says, you know, too, because my dad came, but all of his family, his side of the family never came. So he came, basically, he's an only sibling here by himself with us as his family. But when it comes to mom, dad, brothers and sisters, they all stayed in Mexico. They didn't have a desire to come. But he saw the opportunity for himself and for his family to be able to provide something that he knew he couldn't in Mexico. So it's amazing that, you know, they made this decision and how brave they both were to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes like when people hear these stories, like about people coming over and the whole cult stigma that's around that, how it all happens, blah, 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 blah. I think they don't think about someone like you, because let's fast forward to when you graduated from college. So fast forward, right? Let's talk about your, you know, going to Fresno State or even your experience with going to school and how that worked. Because the whole Mm -hmm. reason why your parents wanted to come here was to make a better opportunity for the Mm -hmm. kids, right? So what did you do with Mm -hmm. that opportunity? You know, I went to school, got my college degree, you know, have a career with the bank and been able to do something with the risk that they took. Because had I not been able to, or any of us, me and myself and my siblings included, that sacrifice would have been worthless. And so we've talked about in another episode, just my dad's constant push towards education and do something with your life, you know, be better. Not so much about the money, but the opportunities that we've been given to be here in this country that otherwise we wouldn't have had. So Yeah, college degree. And, you know, with two of us having our college degrees, one of us joined the military and the other two, you know, working, but just being good citizens, you know, making them proud. And I think like when I hear about these kind of stories and we're talking about Hispanic heritage, I know this is a part of your heritage and, you know, where you're from. And so when I see you and the family and I get to hang around with them and knowing, because this is the first time I've heard the story as well. So like knowing that and seeing how tight knit your family is and seeing how our son and daughter are growing up in that family and seeing how they're welcomed in. And then the biggest thing for me is really seeing baby Emlyn at this point being able to embrace his Mexican culture. Mm -hmm. I want him to always embrace that. I want him to celebrate it. I want him to have that 
because he's not all black. He's half Mexican. And I want him to be able to do that. And so when I think about the stuff that, you know, like we talked about how much Spider-Man means to him, this has been a big deal for us. Mm -hmm. And and I think that the biggest thing is the language because the baby speaks Spanish. So when he can hear Miles Morales, you know, AKA Spider-Man speaking in Spanish, and that's how he identifies with it. I mean, how does knowing your story, knowing where you're from, knowing your background and family, how does that make you feel knowing that your son is proud to be Mexican? Oh, that's awesome. I mean, it feels so good to see that he can identify that he's a nice little tan boy, a little chocolate little boy, and that he can see this character on TV who looks like him and who speaks like him. And I think that is so neat for him to be able to see himself in something like that as a superhero, as, you know, a combination of everything that he is. So seeing where he's at, we didn't get into this, but I do want to talk about this a little bit. We have things going on with school. And I know this is the first time that we've talked about this. And I think about the experience that you may have had in school, which is going to be a little different than the experience that he had in the school. I'm not talking about college. I'm talking about when you're a younger kid. And Mm -hmm. so kind of share with people why it took you this long to really feel like you could tell this story. Well, I think it was always the stigma of, oh, you know, they're wetbacks or, oh, they're here illegally. You know, and knowing that my parents, they didn't say this or that. They really didn't talk about it or like we would say La Migra, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. which is ICE. But living in that fear of being caught and then being sent back. And so I remember one of my closest friends, my best friend growing up, I had only told her and her and I at the same time, her family and our family, as we went to become residents, we were doing it at the same time. And that was the only person that I shared the story with that we were also going. And that was something that we never talked about. We didn't want to be looked at as those kids, you know, because for me, I was fortunate enough to be so young. And even my sister that we were not like some of these other kids that are, you know, five, six, eight years old that are trying to get incorporated into the schools. And now the second language is really difficult for us. We kind of just we spoke Spanish at home and we spoke English at school. And so we we speak sometimes and it's hard to hear our accents, but we have them. They come out every now and then. But more like you were embarrassed. You didn't want to say that, you know, you were one of those people that swam in the river or which we didn't but had that whole experience. And I think that that's something that a lot of people miss, right? Like, I think that it's admirable that your parent, that your grandma, two women come across by themselves on the cover night, you know, with a group at least, but come to the country to meet their spouses, your dad and and your grandpa Mm -hmm. provided the money. So where I see something that would have been kind of at the time, and I think timing is about everything, right? In the, you know, 80s when this happened, there's a different political, there's a different climate than it is right now. But mm-hmm. with that being said, I think it's an amazing story of heroism with your grandmother and your mom. Like there's people that wouldn't do that now, right? Like if we had to try to do something like that. And so I just wanted to be able to have you share that story and wear it almost as a badge of honor. Cause your grandma sounded like a badass in the stories. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Like I'm looking at her different when I see her. I know she's, <laughs> your grandma's with the shits as we would say. Yeah. So I'm like, and to know, even for me, like you didn't get to meet my grandparents because they they passed away before we got married. But to be able to meet your grandmother and your grandfather and be able to hear Mm -hmm. the stories of bravery and what they did, even your grandfather and your father 
and know that that is all a part of the heritage that my son has because of the bravery mm-hmm. of your family. That's the way I look at it. And I was like, man, he's going to be, so he's going to have, he's half black and half Mexican. Oh, he's going to be a, an incredible, incredible, credible young man, as well our daughters, all of our kids will be great, mm-hmm. but it's just awesome. Is there anything else that you want to add to I think this? It's just, you know, it's just so brave that they made the decisions they made. And here we are now, you know, and because of what they did, it provided so much opportunities for all of us and then in turn for our children. So it's just amazing. I don't know how they did it <laughs> to be able to have done it alone and with everything going on. But oh, I mean, I think it's a story and you know, there's probably so many stories like this everywhere else with different people. And it's just a little piece of, of what those people that are coming here to the United States, it's not always to commit crime and things like that, but, you know, just a better life. I mean, sometimes that's the perception, unfortunately, but it's not always the case. I think largely in part, it's not the case. I think people come here for a better life. Not think, I know people come here for a better life. There are some people that do it Obviously, we want to make sure that people are obeying the laws and doing things right. And I understand that. But to see people take a chance to risk everything that they have to leave an entire country and people do this when even when they come legally, because you're coming here and you have Mm -hmm. to come with that. It's not like you have anything set up when you come. So I just Mm -hmm. think that's an incredible story. And you should have take pride in Mm -hmm. telling this story, not only to me, but anybody else. And if anybody ever says anything to you then you got a fully capable husband that'll back you. So don't <laughs> worry about that. And so as we wrap this show up, what does Hispanic heritage mean to you? Well, I mean, it means embodies everything that we are from the music we listen to, the food we eat, the language we speak. It's just a way to kind of take a moment to appreciate and, and love who we are. Absolutely. And other than that, I think we're going to wrap it up right there. Thank you, Madi. I always try to call you Madi. I try not to call you babe. So thanks, Madi, for coming on to the show today. And I think everyone is going to be in for some real treats about the things that we're going to have the rest of this month. We're going to be running these type of shows for the rest of the month where we're going to talk to other Hispanic, not all advisors, but just other people in other Hispanic professionals. And we're going to hear their stories and just talk a little bit about culture, talk a little bit about family, talk a little bit about finance, and you guys are really in for a treat. We also are going to be dropping some new merchandise, and I'll let Madi say how it's going to be said. So it's the merchandise for this in particular month. It'll only be out for this month. So just letting you know now, it's going to be just an exclusive offer for this month. And what is the name going to be? The names of the shirts are going to be El Dinero de la Menoridad. So it'll be El Dinero de la Menoridad. So we will have those shirts available when this show drops, they'll be available. We'll put some links to it and they'll be specific for this month where we are celebrating Hispanic heritage. As you all know, I'm Imlin Miles Mattingly. Today I was joined by Maricela Miles Mattingly. This is the Minority Money Podcast where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. 
I know, I know. That really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here. And until next time, 